Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner! You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the golf edition. We're back. We've got actionable golf this weekend for the first time in more than two months on the top level of the professional golf world. Can't wait to talk about that. We'll get into our picks for this week and next. We've got one next week as well. We've also got a special guest this week. But first, I'm Jason Sobel. Along with me, Peter Jennings. Peter, I haven't talked to you at least publicly in a long time. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Doing great. Excited we have uh, some golf on the horizon. I'm getting a little sick of sweating the Outlaw Tour, although it's been fun. The Scottsdale Open has been great, but to have the PGA Tour on the horizon is awesome. And uh, really excited to, to chat uh, with our special guest here. And uh, how are you doing, Jason? I'm great. I've been fired up. If I'm yelling louder and talking faster on this podcast, it's because I've been fired up and ready to go and just, you know, ready to get out of quarantine and start talking some golf again. So, Without further ado, enough from us, because we've got, like we said, a special guest this morning, Keegan Bradley joining us, major champion, PGA Tour regular. Thank you for joining us. How's quarantine life going for you, Keegan? It's been going okay. It's, it's a lot better now that the courses are open where I live in Jupiter, but for you know, for a while, it was tough, just like it was for everybody. I, I was stuck at home. I, I met, there's this guy I know. His name's Tom Hurley. He owns these polo fields. And he was letting me come out and hit and shag my own balls for a couple of weeks, which was a lifesaver for me. So that was good. And then now that the courses are open, my life is not that much different than it normally is now because I'm just going to the course, coming home. I, you know, I've actually really kind of been able to enjoy this time with my family. I'm, this is a once in a lifetime thing for me, you know, to be home, put my son to bed every night, not have to worry about traveling. So I'm trying to look at the positive of that. I've got to go back to that. When was the last time you shagged your own golf balls? I mean, we were talking like, you know, when you were eight years old in Hopkinton or something like that, were you yeah. shagging your own balls back then? The last I can remember was I was shagging balls at Framingham Country Club with my buddy John Curran who played the tour. Like, we yeah, would sure. go. It, it was either the start of spring or, like, really late fall. I, I, either way, I can't remember which one it was where out there there's, the grass is brown. 
there's geese everywhere, like running wild on the course. And we would shagger on balls. And, you know, I got to go. Thank, thank goodness for this Tom. He let me go out there because I haven't taken two weeks off of not hitting probably since I was in New England. So this was a big thing for me to get back out, out there and swing the club. Well, I want to ask you about the PGA Tour issued some protocols and guidelines this week. I think if they didn't answer every question we have, they answered a lot of the questions as far as testing availability and uh, kind of closing down the bubble between uh, everyone that's going to be on site for PGA Tour events, at least to start. On a scale of 1 to 10 right now, how comfortable are you going back to playing PGA Tour events? Will you play a sort of full schedule moving forward from here? And what did you think of uh, that memo that was sent out? Well, first off, I think us tour players, we have to have faith in Jay Monahan and the PGA Tour that they're going to put us in the best position to go out and play and be safe. I can't say that I'm that comfortable getting on an airplane and going to the airport and, you know, going to baggage claim. Like, that's pretty wild stuff to think about right now. But I'm going to go out and play. If they tell me it's safe to go out there and they got these protocols in place, then I'm going to go out and play. I'd say I'm about a five or a six in terms of how comfortable I am going out there. But at the same time, I'm very anxious to get back out there and play. So, you know, we're going to have to take a, take a leap of faith here with the tour and hopefully they have this all figured out. Yeah, along those lines, I mean, I, I do think golf is set up better than almost any sport. You're outside, you have social distancing, but you mentioned the travel and the schedule, and I think certain players might be uncomfortable traveling, some might be comfortable traveling. How do you see kind of the events playing out in terms of who's in? And obviously people have been off for a long time, so I'm sure a lot of players are itching to get back. Do you think schedules are going to change for a lot of guys? How do you see that playing out? Well, I think what separates us from other sports is the physical act of us playing golf certainly is the safest of all the sports, but we don't have team planes or we don't have team hotels. So that part of it is going to be difficult for some people. I think you're going to see most people come out and play because A, we want to get out there and play. B, this is how we make our living. But also what we have a lot of in our contracts is minimum events played. You have to, to fulfill your contract. So that's certainly on a lot of our minds. So I think you'll you'll see a lot of people playing, especially at the beginning of this restart. You might see a field like Colonial RBC that's going to be stacked and loaded with top players that it never will, would have been otherwise. So there's going to be a lot of positives to this as long as it gets off to a good start. If we go there and a bunch of people fail for the COVID, that could be a nightmare. What's your schedule in particular? I've spoken with players who have told me, for whatever reasons, it might be I, I don't love Colonial, so I'm going to skip the first one, or uh, I just want to see how this thing plays out. And I've spoken with players who said, I can't wait to get back. I'm going to go back no matter where it is. What, what's your schedule at least to start? I haven't quite got it nailed down yet, but I'm going to definitely go out there and play the early events and, and see how it goes. It's weird because I was talking about this with Steely the other day. A lot of these events initially are events that I take off if the schedule was full. So I haven't played Colonial. I've only played it one time. I've, I've, I've only played RBC, I think, two times. So I've been on the tour 10 years. So these are events that I – or I've never played Detroit. I've played John Deere two times. So mm -hmm. those first clump of tournaments aren't events that I necessarily have played a lot. So there could be two ways to look at it. It could be one way of saying, oh, I, this isn't a great course for me or this isn't a great event for me. But it also could be – Maybe this is an event I should have been playing 
this is my chance to go out there and play and maybe play great. I've been telling Steely to play Sony for eight years and go and do this course is perfect for you. You have to play. You have to play. And he Still kept take all the credit saying, for no. that, huh? Yeah, I want all the credit. I don't seem to be getting it. But and then he goes and plays and you know and and almost wins. So maybe going to Colonial or some of these events that I wouldn't normally play could be a good thing. I'm a huge Jordan sneaker collector. I love the golf shoes. Obviously, you're rocking those, and uh, I'm sure you've been watching The Last Dance and have a bunch of Jordan stories. But first, I got to ask about the shoes. Do you have a favorite pair of Jordan golf shoes? And what do you think the most underrated pair of Jordan golf shoes are? Well, my favorite pair that I've had are the, I have for the masters probably three or four or five, maybe even five years ago. I I just had an all white pair with Jordan's 45 on the side of them with just, it looks like it it looks like a bulls Jersey, the the stitching of the 45. I don't know. I just absolutely love those shoes. I only wore them, I think twice in the tournament and now I just have them in my office, but I have, I have a couple pairs of Jordans that like of original, they're the first ever made that we, when we were going through the process of making this shoe and how we wanted to make it, I have a, a bunch of those that are just like, they're bare bones and they, they say, you know, Keegan Jordan one or Keegan Jordan two. And these were just series of shoes that they would send me. And I go, I think the tongue needs to be a little longer. I think the side needs to go up a you know, a little bit, or um, I like the the toe of my right shoe to be really firm. Um, so maybe we needed to do that. And these guys, with the way they make shoes, it's like they're building a Ferrari. Like there's no detail that they don't want to know of that you don't like. I felt like I wanted the tongue of my shoe to be a little wider and a little longer. So when it rained, it wouldn't leak in like stupid stuff like that. And they do it. And they, they design the shoe. You can tell why they're so successful for the athlete to play their best. Yeah, Keegan, you mentioned it there. I, I don't think people realize that you don't just wear Jordan golf shoes. Like you, you've basically produced these Jordan golf shoes. You were wearing them before there was a Jordan golf shoe. I mean, they were, they were sort of making it for you. I, what was that process like and, and how did it start? Like how, how did this come about where all of a sudden you're wearing Jordan golf shoes that don't really exist that nobody else has? So I became pretty good friends with MJ in about 2012. I was after the Ryder Cup at Chicago, and we played. We were playing every day. He plays 36 holes, and I was wearing another pair of shoes that weren't Jordan. And I was doing. I used to be sponsored by Tommy Hilfiger Clothes, and I was doing a, a photo shoot. And I had this clause in my contract that said, anytime that I'm getting a picture taken of me with golf clubs, I have to have these particular shoes on. So I was at doing this photo shoot and Tommy Hilfiger used to bring in these like crazy photo shoots with real photographers from France and Paris and bring in real models. And like, it was so brutal. But so I did this, I did this shoot where I had a suit on sort of thing. And I had these wooden clubs in my hand. I, I clearly wasn't playing golf or whatever. I was sitting on a golf cart with these other models. And it came out and it, they put, they, they aired it on, and it was in some magazine and this company saw it and they were upset and terminated my contract. And I was furious because it was a kind of a, I thought it was a little bit of a, wasn't a very nice move. Cause I, I just was, I thought it was ticky tack type thing. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden now I'm a free agent for my shoes and I'm getting close with MJ and he loves golf. This MJ loves golf more than anything in the entire world. He just loves it. So one day I was playing with him and I got up the, I got up to kind of the nerve to say, Hey, 
have you ever thought about doing golf shoes? And he's like, yeah, I've always wanted to, you know, do this. And I just need somebody to kind of help with the process. I was like, well, I would love to do that. And so what I did was I flew to Oregon and spent the day at the Nike campus and did six or seven hours of testing, like, like you would for golf clubs. And then it took a little while. And then we, we reached to this shoe that I have worn. And then they kind of used that technology or that sort of me as the guinea pig to make the shoes now. That's the coolest story in the world. I mean, I am, <laughs> I have probably 20 pairs of Jordan golf shoes and like all our friends are collectors and love them and super fun aspect of golf. And you can tell they're just growing in popularity. Obviously the last dance has made basically anything related to Jordan appreciate a ton in value and they're getting more and more popular. I want to go back. Do you have a favorite? Of, I know you have a ton of custom shoes. If you had to pick one that was not necessarily like widely available, but that is available, what, what would be your favorite of the, the Jordan collection? Well, threes, fours, and 11s are my favorites. But I, uh, I, for my wedding, the, the guy, there's a guy named Mark Smith that works for uh, Jordan. And he's the guy who makes my shoes. If you watched Entourage, Come on. Right. So, I rewatched it during quarantine. I mean, that, that, yeah. that's a good way to make yourself feel better. Turn on Entourage. If you remember the episode where Tur Vince buys Turtle, those $30,000 pair of shoes from yep. Fukujama or whatever his yep. name yeah. is. Yeah. So Mark Smith is the guy who made those shoes. He's, he's not Fukujama, but he, those shoes that they have, they, he designed and he made. So he's Mark Smith is, is uh, the guy that, is behind a lot of the Jordans. He's not Tinker, he's not, but he's there. He's made a lot of these shoes, and he's Fukujama from Entourage. So for my wedding, I, I had all of my groomsmen, they made up Jordans, custom Jordans with like laser print on them for best man, groomsmen. And then for my wife and I, we had special Jordan shoes made up for, that looked kind of like they were patent leather, like you could wear them with a tuxedo like I had. So and they, they presented it to us in this cool box. So we have those Jordans are just, were just made for us. And so those are my favorite. Those are the ones that like, the ones that are so customly made and they're just for us. Those are my favorite. Peter's asking the shoe stories. He loves shoes. I love stories. So you, you got it. First of all, what have you thought of the last dance knowing MJ and, and kind of having that background of being around him so much? What have you thought about the doc watching it? And, and secondly, Come hard with a good MJ story. I mean, we, you know, we don't want the one, uh, I played 36 with them and we, you know, we, we have at the end of the day, it was fine. Like, I, I need a good MJ story. Well, the last dance to me is the best thing I've seen on TV and, and I don't know, since maybe Breaking Bad. I don't, I, I love it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a super fan, so that's, I, I'm, I'm partial to it, but I know I've seen the competitive side of MJ, obviously, but I know MJ as the nicest, the most generous, a guy that will take my buddy's numbers and text them to play, you know, without me. I, they, my buddies play with him more now than I do. The most generous person I've ever met. I see a guy that wherever we're at a restaurant or at a golf course, people come up to him. He treats, I've never seen a person treat other people better. I know there's this, this, this side of this competitive side to him that it's cool for me to see it on this because I was a lot younger when this was going on. So I forgot a lot of all the stuff that was going on, but I envy him in so many ways because my fame for his is one, one, one hundred millionth of what he has. And I struggle sometimes if I feel like I'm at a restaurant and 
there's somebody walking over. Like I have, I get crazy anxiety over that. He is like, he embraces it so much. And he's just the perfect famous guy because he loves it. You know, he, he engages. My favorite story with MJ is we, we went to Baker's Bay on a, on a vacation and we were pulling up and this plane pulls up next to us and we're looking out and freaking Tom Brady walks out. My, my other hero with his whole family. And so we're, we're getting there and MJ sees his Brady, their buddies, they get out, they say, hi, you know, meanwhile, I'm like, I, Brady is, if there's MJ and then Brady's right there. So one day we were, I was there with Luke Donald and we were, uh, we played golf. MJ's got to play golf every day. And we were, I was like, look, let's go shoot some hoops at the, at the court. And maybe MJ, oh, yeah. who knows, probably, he probably won't, but Sure enough, he's like, where are you guys going? We're going to the court. He goes, all right, I'll come, but I'm not going to put any shoes on because I guess if you don't put shoes on, you know, he's not going to play. So we start shooting around, and we're playing like 21 or something, and I'm trying to egg him on to get out of the court. We played basketball with Michael Jordan. What else? I mean, play golf with Tiger. I think, you know, anything's that's pretty incredible. And so at one point, he looks at one of the guys that works here. He goes, go back and get my shoes. So then we're like, okay, this has got potential to get really good. Yeah. So we, play, we played a pickup game. It was me, another guy that works at Baker's Bay, and I think Luke Donald. And then it was MJ, MJ and Brady have to be teammates and partners with everything, oh, golf, everything. And so the guy that works at Baker's, and I have to guard Brady. Brady's probably six five, six, maybe even six six. He's a big guy, and he is going so hard on the basketball court guarding me. And like I'm like, dude, I finally had to say to him, I go, dude, you've got to calm down because if I hurt you. Like, yeah, forget about yeah. if I get hurt, okay? If I hurt you, I can't go home ever again. Like, if it's like, oh, Keegan Bradley blows out Tom Brady's knee in a basketball game, and he was dominating me. And I think I can play basketball pretty good. And it blew my mind how crazy athletic Brady was. I didn't know that. I should have. But, but what was so stunning about playing this game with Jordan was how incredible of a shooter he was. We were outside. And it was blowing. We were in Bahamas. It was blowing 20 to 30 miles an hour. And he was hitting me, shooting these, like, punch shots that were hitting the back of the rim and just shooting straight down. And it was just – it was a surreal moment because I'm, I'm on the court. You know, if you would have told me when I was 12 that I, I would just meet these two one day and just be able to say hi. And then to be able to say oh, I played basketball with MJ and Brady, it was just like a, a moment that I'll never forget. And, you know, MJ's doing the thing where he's, like, pretend he's shooting and holding the ball he's doing all the moves it was just incredible i've got so many questions and so many reactions off that first of all you need to learn how to pick better teams you get stuck with luke donald out of that whole mix come on there's no way luke has any game luke's joining us on the podcast next week give me some give me some ammo for luke okay luke donald is one of my favorite players on the tour to hang with he lives down here it's hard to say that to people because he could be such a square I, I look at him and, like, you say something to him and he'll just, like, mumble something back. But then the next minute, he's so funny. Like, we put, I played with, play with him three times this week. And he's the best guy. If I was to go have a drink with five guys on the tour, Luke Donald would be one of them. When you get him out of his shell, he's this funny guy. But then, like, I see him on the course and he's, like, he doesn't say anything. It's, he's just an interesting dude. But he's a horrible basketball player. Horrible. <laughs> Yeah, you definitely got the, the short end of the stick on that one. That's a great story. Uh, so I want to get into Brady because we're going to start talking about these these matches. We've got a match coming up this week, and we've got a match next week, obviously, with uh, 
with Tiger and Manning going up against Phil and Brady. And I, I texted you the other day, and you know me, Keegan. Uh, we talk Patriots football all the time. I'm a huge Patriots fan. I've got eight Tom Brady jerseys hanging up in my closet right now. And my take right now that he's a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, whatever he's calling it, system quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I he just, did say that. Bel- Belichick uh, made him. Belichick could have made, you know, if Brian Hoyer was a little bit older, Brian Hoyer was, he'd be the goat right now. I, I, I say that tongue in cheek, but um, I, your take on, on losing Brady from New England and, you know, kind of what the Pats are going to do going forward. Well, I was, as, as a 13 year old fan, I was so bummed out. Like I, I was really like sad when the, when Gronk went to Tampa, I, I was bummed out when Brady went to Tampa, but then when Gronk went, that really was like, oh, this is a huge bummer. Now, now I'm really bummed. But as an athlete, I understand. As a you know, as a, a father and a you know husband, you you, you got to do what's best for him. So I get that. But I really am bummed out about this because I was hearing around Tory Pine. So when that was in like January or February or whatever it was, I I was hearing he was for sure leaving. And I was hearing it from like reliable sources that he was gone. He had already decided, but I kept holding out hope that some, when it comes time for him to actually tell Belichick and Kraft I'm leaving, I always felt like something was going to happen and he was going to stay. But I thought that I'd be like, wherever he goes, I'm going to root for that team. And you know, if they play the Patriots, I want the Patriots to win. But now I'm kind of like, I want him to do well, but I, I, a Patriots, Tampa Bay matchup would be just incredible in Tampa Super Bowl in Tampa let's go <laughs> oh my goodness it, it, there's a script if there's a movie script like this could be one of them if that ever happened so I mentioned the matches we'll, we'll work backwards here since we're talking about Brady already we'll, we'll move ahead to next week um you've played I assume with all these guys maybe have you played with Peyton Manning before I have yeah okay so you played with all four of these guys uh give us the breakdown handicap this match because I think a lot of people first of all and you know us at the Action Network. We want to bet on everything. Uh, so, first of all, people are going to be betting on this match, and they want to know who to bet on. Secondly, there's a lot more intrigue than it, the match that's coming up this week where it's four tour players. We kind of know what to expect. What should we expect from Manning and Brady, and who's got the advantage in this thing? Well, first off, I've told you this. If, if I could have one app on my phone, it would be Action Network. I've told you this before. Like, if I had to choose yeah. one, I, I think the app is – incredible i think if you're a sports fan or a gambler even if you're just a sports fan you have to have this app it's i give it to all of my like friends and family for christmas because i'm like just do this and stick with it and follow this app and they all text me like a month later like i can't even believe i didn't have this a month ago so i love action network you know i've told you that a million times but clip by the way is going to be tweeted out like a thousand times (laughs) oh good i i i really think the app is just like I, I was, I was so pumped for the UFC that they, they added that onto the app, and it's just, it's just an incredible app. But I always have trouble with golf with the long odds because it's not like any other sport. Just because I'm supposed to beat you that day in golf, I don't like laying the, a lot of juice. First off, I'd never bet on golf, but if I was going to, right, I would right. never, I would never lay a lot of juice because there's just no telling in, in golf what could happen. I mean, it's, it's just a one day sport or one, one day bet. I find it hard to, to bet. I think Brady has an edge on Manning in terms of ability, but I think that the alternate shot aspect is something that they've never played. They've never felt that sort of pressure. So 
that's the wild card. I, I know I don't think Phil's ever played medalist, and obviously Tiger's played it a million times. But I'd have a hard time betting against Brady. Yeah, you mentioned something that I think is really important for both these matches, and then I'm really curious your take as we get back into the PGA Tour. You know, I love trying to predict golf. Like you said, there's a lot of short-term variance, especially now with the layoff. And I've looked at some of the data. You know, when we get into like January, I've done a lot of analysis on like who plays well relative to their normal. Play. And like Charles Howell is one of the guys who actually plays like the best in January. And I, my thought is, okay, this guy's just a total grinder who doesn't take as much time off relative to maybe some of the other golfers on tour. Now we have this huge layoff, the COVID thing you mentioned, some guys probably had access to playing a ton of golf or a simulator. Some guys might not have for a stretch of time. How do you see that kind of playing out as we get back out there? Do you think it's going to bring everyone closer together? Like how would you look at predicting golf when we first come back? I think it's going to be interesting because of the courses as well. So like Colonial and RBC are not courses you overpower or guys that smash driver. And I think you're going to see guys. I know of some big players that are going to play these events that you don't have never played the course or that you're not going to hit driver at RBC. And I think that's something to look at. I also think you're hundred percent right. There's guys that I know of that, are going to barely touch a club until Colonial. And then there's guys maybe like myself or, you know, a, a bunch of guys that I know that have, haven't really taken any time off. We've, you know, for me, the polo fields was tough because I couldn't putt or do any short game, but at least I was swinging. And I know, I know there's a lot of guys that are just going to maybe two weeks before going to grab a club. And I think what you looked at, if you look at guys that, come out of the gates pretty good in, in on the West Coast swing. Those are guys you probably would want to keep an eye on come Colonial. You mentioned never wanted to lay the juice in, in something that should be basically a, a toss-up, a, a heads-up matchup. And I, I feel exactly that way. In fact, I've written it already about this week's match. Uh, we've got Rory and DJ going against Ricky and Matthew Wolf. Break this down a little bit. Obviously, Rory and DJ are the favorites, but again – um, it, it shouldn't really matter in a one-day skins match, especially skins. I mean, you could, you know, lose 14 of the holes or, or have them and still win uh, some timely holes with a bunch of carryovers and uh, the money gets bigger at the end and you can still win this thing. So kind of break down uh, sort of the match, how you look at it for me. And also, I assume you played Seminole being in South Florida. What should we expect from Seminole on, on TV for the first time? Well, I think Seminole – is it's a course that has to have some wind. If there's no wind, Rory and DJ are going to be slamming drivers up by greens and stuff because yeah. it's, it hasn't rained here at all. So it, it, we're supposed to get some rain this next couple of days, but if it's firm, these guys are going to be hitting drives because it's, it's very firm out there and it rolls and it plays super fast. And I know Rory – and I think you could look at the pro member maybe as like some how people play. I know Ricky's won it like a bunch of times. So Three times with Buddy Marucci, yeah. Three times, so I don't know. I, I don't think there's much you can look into it, but I, I don't know how you would ever handicap this because all four players are great players. No one knows anything about the course, um, but it'd be tough to bet against Rory and DJ, I think. Other than yeah. golf right now, what sport do you miss the most? Football, yeah. I thought the UFC was a little weird with no fans. I, I didn't think it was as good, personally, yeah. and I worry with that with football because – that's part, and I read. I read uh, last night that the NFL is going to pump in uh, music or fan noise, and then have virtual fans in the crowd, which is strange. But I was a yeah, little bit. I was a little bit bummed out 
with no fans at UFC. I thought the fighters came out like a little flat. Some of them, I thought the early fights were a little flat. So I don't think we would be effective with that that much in golf, but basketball and football and the Ryder Cup, I don't, I just don't see it without fans. It's going to be tough. Uh, Ryder Cup, obviously, uh, and, you know, we've heard from Brooks Kepka and Rory have both said, you know, hey, it's not going to be nearly as good as fans. I think we all recognize that and understand it. That said, uh, there's more money in it than it is about fans. Uh, just for a regular event, I mean, let's say you go back and play Colonial or RBC Heritage at Hilton Head or Travelers and there's no fans. And, then, uh, you know, you're a former PGA Championship winner, PGA First week of August in California, there are some, you know, certain statutes there that it doesn't seem like there will be fans there. Uh, what do you think about, you know, you've got a, a putt, a 10-footer on the last hole to win a major championship, and there's seven people standing around, you know, giving you a polite little golf clap. Like, what, what's that going to be like for a player in the moment with nobody around? I think it's going to be very strange if you've got a chance to win the tournament. I mean, I think that's going to be like very, very odd. And I think it's going to be very weird for guys like Tiger and Phil that are constantly playing in an atmosphere that's that's got a lot of fans and excitement. You know, because we all go out and play if we're going off 10 and, you know, we're in 50th place, there's no one out there anyways. So, but I think if you tee off, you know, you're in the final group and there's no one out there, I think that's going to be, that's going to be strange for, especially initially. But I think golf is a sport that, viewing wise, I don't think it'll be that big of a deal, but it's going to take an adjustment. I, 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 I've been hearing rumors that there could be fans in like a month or so, but I, uh, I, I'm interested to see how that's going to be. I got to get in like a nerdy golf question. Cause you are f- super famous in our world, you know, from a modeling perspective, you're constantly coming in like super high for me. Cause I'm regressing putting. I value strokes gained off the tee a ton. You're incredible with the driver. Who are some guys that, you, that you've played with that you think might be a little bit underrated on the tour? And I know you can't touch like the gambling stuff, but who are some guys that you think um, might be underrated out there? I'm going to tell you who I think is going to have a big year because I play I, – I, he's one of my closest friends. I play golf with him all the time, and Jamie Lovemark. He, uh, he's got – I think he's the best chipper I've ever seen in my, in my life. I think that – and he's had a lot of injuries with his back, and he's, he's completely healthy. And I've been playing a lot of golf with him, and he's, he's one of these guys that's freakishly talented. I never felt like I had that in me. I always felt like I had to work. And he's been working, but I feel like he's got that that aspect in him where he's he hits shots and it's like, wow, that was impressive. And I've been playing a lot of golf with Jamie, and I was texting Steely the other night. I was like, I think Jamie's going to have a big year. And with this new uh, – he's on a what we call a medical extension or whatever they call it, and he just – you're able to restart your medical under these new rules. So he's got a whole new lease on – you know, he's got a, more events he can play in. It's, it's been a good break for him. And I think that Jamie, he was the, he was always great player and he just had some injuries and I think he's healthy now. I think he's in a good spot. I see him being a guy that would be a good guy to to keep an eye on. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He's one of the best athletes on tour. Clearly I would imagine the basketball game, he'd be someone you would absolutely want on your team. And he's another guy that, you know, fits that mold. I'm really, I love the bombers and uh, he certainly can, can get it moving off the tee. All right. Yeah. So two, two things based on that. First of all, Keegan, I, I don't disagree with you whatsoever. I've spent a lot of time around Jamie as well. And I think he's a tremendous talent who's uh, basically just peaking a little bit later than we thought he would have, you know, 10 years ago when he was uh, coming up. Secondly, 
I asked Steely this on, on a regular basis when he's not playing. When he's in a tournament, I'm not going to say like, "Hey, who else do you like to you know play well this week?" I just, I, he'd probably tell me, but I, you know, that's not really a question that I would ask a golfer who's in a tournament. But when he's not playing and he and I are texting each other, I go, "Hey, who, who do you like this week?" You know, if I'm I'm making picks, I'm writing a preview for Action Network. You know, give me a little insight. And every single time, Steely goes, "Well." Keegan's playing really well and Jamie's playing really well. I like both of those guys. I'm like, how about outside of the guys that you talk to every single day and then play practice rounds with every single week? I mean, give me, like, like give me a guy off the board. So you guys, uh, it, it's very insular. I'm telling you, you guys got to go outside the bubble a little bit. Maybe play practice round with a new friend or something. You know? <laughs> I know. Steely tells me that, by the way. He's like, I told Jason again, you're, you know, he always, he always says that to me. He, like, he wants credit for everything anyways. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that, you know, he never wants, you know, if you're going to go out and win one week, he doesn't want to be, like, off that week where, like, oh, I didn't tell you yeah. Keegan. So, you know, yeah. he's going to just keep riding you every feel, week. I just feel with Jamie, like, I just feel I, – I look at the way he's he's hitting shots. I played a, a ton of golf with Jamie, and this is the best I've seen him. And, and you know, I think that this break's been good. I think that – I think everything that he's doing, I see him working really hard. And I just think that there's a. I feel like guys that are athletic can it can click on at any moment. And I also think he's got that gamer mentality that if he gets near the lead of a tournament, I I see him staying there. So I just I just have a feeling that Jamie's gonna. Who knows? I don't think he's gonna get in a ton of tournaments the rest of the year because they're all mm-hmm. invitational. A bunch of them are. But going forward past that, I, I keep an eye on him. Well, based on this, when he does play, he's going to be like 75% owned on DraftKings now. He's going to be like super chalk <laughs> just because of you. You've, you've basically ruined it. We should ask you this question after we're done instead of during the actual podcast. Uh, Keegan, you've been awesome. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Good luck uh, uh, shagging your own balls in, in polo fields. I guess you can actually go out and play now. So, um, uh, you know, get ready for the season. When you come back, be safe, be healthy. Um, and, and we'll see you down the road. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Keegan. That is, that is Keegan Bradley. This has been the Action Network Podcast, Golf Edition. We've got action this week. Real quick, Peter, who do you like? You got Rory and DJ against Matthew Wolf and Ricky Fowler. Who you got? You know, I pick Rory. I, I've been on Rory every single time, regardless. Uh, and I'm probably going to go with the plus money with Ricky and Wolf, just because of what Keegan said. I think there's a lot of variance. And uh, I'm taking the plus money in both matches, I think. I'm doing the exact same thing. It's just these things are a toss-up, quite frankly. And when they're playing for someone else's money, which is great, I, and I, I love the charitable aspect of it, but they're not playing for their own money. They're playing for a cause. And, you know, I just don't see A games from Rory and DJ just yet. Ricky, like I said earlier, a three-time pro member champion at Seminole. That that pro member, by the way, has a better field than half the PGA Tour events that are out there every single year. So uh, Ricky has played some good golf on this golf course before. If the wind blows, it's a great wind player. And the fact that there's so much variance with skins. I mean, the skins are going to carry over. The last two holes are worth 35% of the entire money from the whole match anyway. So uh, you can be sort of even and then play well, make a couple of birdies on 17 and 18 and win this whole thing pretty easily. So I am with you. I'm going Ricky and Wolf. Peter, thanks so much. Thanks again to Keegan Bradley. This has been the Action Network Podcast. We'll be back next week. we got another special guest lined up. Can't wait for that one. We're finished talking. <laughs>